should wait to come out, that you should uh, try to gain rank or status before you do that. That's a bunch of bull It's a new day in the music industry, and I can reach my fans. We're getting there. I've caused harm to the political agenda, and which I'm actually happy for. I would say probably the best message to them is that they're on the wrong side of history. Whether you're lesbian, gay, bi, transgender, or whatever, love is love. Shout it out to the world. The Michelle Miao Show. Your A through Z covering the LGBT, LMNOP, and everyone in between show. And now here's your host, Michelle Miao. Hi, this is Sima Lieberman, the inclusionist on the Michelle Miao Show with everyday conversations on race for everyday people, where we bring people together from different backgrounds to talk about race, racism, current issues, and we bring race to the people. Today in my studio, I have two amazing guests because we're talking about race, racism, sexual harassment, sexual assault, and everything in between. And I have Benita Banducci, and I have Patricia, Patricia Caceres. Both are long-term friends of mine, and um, I'm going to have each of them introduce themselves very briefly. Patricia, could you introduce yourself and just say a little bit about yourself, who you are, and a little bit about your uh, cultural background, since people can't see you. My name is Patricia Cassettes, and I'm a mixed-race African-American. Um, I've been involved in the construction industry since the early 70s and uh, all the way up until about 10 years ago when I retired from that world. Um, I've worked as an electrician, telephone installer, got a, um, a bachelor's of science degree in electrical engineering, worked as an engineer, and finally moved to Hawaii where I worked again as an electrical contractor. Thank you, Benita. This is Benita Banducci, and I have uh, developed a consulting practice, Banducci Consulting. I use my last name. I was told phonetically means great leader, so that's why I use Banducci Consulting. Um, and recently, I've been concentrating more on the teaching that I do, and I have my strongest identity uh, presently as as a as a lecturer at Santa Clara University in the Graduate School of Engineering, where I teach a class called Gender and Engineering. And uh, I have students from all over the world um, in my class. And it's just a, an extraordinary experience. I still do consulting, but for the most part, I've been concentrating on teaching and also wanting to transmit the framework I've developed for understanding differences to other people to be able to teach. In terms of my cultural background, Banducci, I am uh, half Italian and uh, otherwise German, Swiss, and Irish, so uh, very much a white American, although I, in my early years doing diversity training, I, I, especially when I was back east, I used to say that I was California transformational. I was raised in Marin County, uh, the home of uh, personal transformation. And um, I very much identify with that as a way of, of signifying my pride in California. Thank you. So last week we started talking about sexual harassment, sexual assault, and the Harvey Weinstein 
case, and I want to continue it uh, this week. The Harvey Weinstein issue of sexual, not only sexual harassment, but outright sexual assault has opened up the floodgates for so many people and so many women to come forward and talk about their experiences. And in fact, they talk about the Me Too movement, which was actually started by an African-American woman uh, several years ago. But I want to continue, I want to continue that conversation because we, we say that a Harvey Weinstein case opened up the floodgates for women and some men to talk about sexual assault and sexual harassment. There's also a history. He, Harvey Weinstein didn't just come out of nowhere. Bill Cosby didn't just come out of nowhere. There's a history. And although many of the women now that are coming forward are white women, there's really a history of invisibility of women of color, particularly black women, and also immigrants, particularly Spanish-speaking immigrants, and hourly employees who have been sexually assaulted and sexually harassed, not everyone, but, but who have been had that happen and have either been afraid to speak out because they were really afraid of losing their jobs or they were afraid to speak out or they did speak out and nobody believed them or they were trivialized. So I want to continue that conversation. And Patricia, you are a real trailblazer. You're one of the first women and one of the first black women to be in the building trades here in the Bay Area. Could you just talk a little bit about your experience and what it was like as a woman for you in the trades? Well, my first job in the trades was with uh, the phone company, which was Pacific Telephone Telegraph at the time. There was <laughs> only one phone company. There were no cell phones, and <laughs> everybody was dealing with a phone in their home. Um, <clears throat> and I got that job because uh, they had to do an outreach for women because of a class action lawsuit that they had lost. So advocates for women at the time canvassed the community and found a number of us who were interested in working for the phone company as telephone installers, you know, or linesmen. Um, my, first, my first placement was in Marin County, and um, I started out there um, as a brand new telephone installer, climbing telephone and poles, and everybody else on the crew was a white man. And so, but I was young and eager and didn't think it was gonna make a difference. Um, and I remember one of the early conversations I had with my uh, supervisor where I asked them point blank, we were having lunch together at a, um, after a training session and I asked him how he felt about having a woman on his crew and he said, I don't mind at all and I don't mind that you're black. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case I forgot. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that was sort of, you know, it was a wake up call. It was, it was him positioning me, letting me know that, you know, who I was and that I was noticed and um, that, that I was being watched. Um, so, so that was one of the first things that happened. Um, I worked with the phone company about five years and then I <clears throat> went off and worked with um, an all women's um, collective that was um, electrical contracting. So f for that period of time, I think I was sort of protected. You know, I was insulated from the, the sexism of, of uh, the construction world um, and, and that was a nice breather, you know. I mean, we still had issues around race that we struggled with, but it was in a, um, in a uh, constructive way. Because wow. I, you know, I think about you talking about sexism. 
there's the issue of sexism, because I, I look at it in three, almost three tiers. There's sexism, which we know is inherent in our culture, which many people are trying, are, are changing, not everybody, but a lot of people are changing. Then there's sexual harassment, which is another issue where it continues, you tell somebody to stop, and they won't stop, and then there's just outright sexual assault. Now, in your experience, when, when you've first started working in the trades, I would imagine that you experienced a lot of sexism. Yes, that's true. Could you give me any examples or what, or what that meant when, when you say that you experienced sexism? Well, because, I'm, because I am a woman, there are assumptions. They assume that I don't know how to use tools. They make assumptions about my body strength, my dexterity. Um, they're just built-in assumptions, and it doesn't make any difference how long I was there, what I knew, what, what certifications I had, what classes I had taken. It, it didn't make any difference. None of that trumped the fact that I was a woman. And, and that showed up all the time. I mean, even as I moved along in construction to the point where I was a, a foreman, I would have apprentices come in who were working under me who thought they could question my credentials, you know. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and, at, and at that point, it shouldn't have been an issue anymore, you know. If I was introduced as the foreman, that's who I was, you know, and, and, you would, and I'm going to give you your tasks. And, but it's just inherent in men's minds that, that this isn't a place for women, so um, it showed up a lot. Um, even to the point where um, in 1995 I got my um, BSEE in electrical engineering, and in my my um, in my first job, um, I was sitting around with a group of men that I worked with, and we were talking about a very simple design. So since I had been an electrician, I knew very well how to do this. It happened to do it had to do with undergrounding. Um, pipes that would connect a building to the unit we were installing. And this is something that I could map out on a napkin right in front of everybody. I knew the pipe size, how deep it had to go, I knew what wiring needed to go in it. None of these men in the room had ever installed anything. <laughs> you know, they, they, they came from the military and they, they had their degrees, but it was all theoretical to them. And I did, I drew out that diagram and presented it to the group, and everybody looked at it and scratched their heads, and they turned to the man who was the closest to having done any construction, he was a bridge builder, and they asked him <laughs> you know, if he thought the design made sense, and he said he didn't know. So they told me they'd get back to me. And so at that point, it was a major slap in the face, because now I had my you know, bachelor's that I had sweated and cried over and finally gotten, and I thought I finally had legitimacy. But because I am a woman, um, it, it, you know, once again, that's all they could see, you know. Um, uh, the racism was inherent, but the fact of being a woman was so large in front of their eyes that, you know, they just couldn't take their eyes off that. Yeah. Benita, how does uh, yes. sexual harassment and sexism and assault play into your work or into your history? Well, one of the, well, first of all, I want you to know into my, my personal history, I have more of a madman 
kind of history with uh, sexism. Um, and I'm not going to go into the whole story about it, but if you're familiar with the dynamics of the, um, the television program Mad Men about the um, sexism in the 60s and 70s, it was in the 70s that I went to work for a man who I consider a Madison Avenue madman. And so I, was, I identified very much with those dynamics and consensually, um, but, and, and that includes the role of alcohol in creating relationships and in the dynamics, which I have abstained from now for years. But um, so although I haven't really had the... Um, the experience of uh, sexual harassment and in the power, power dynamics that we've been talking about, uh, I did have that experience of uh, not having power and having someone with much more power over me, uh, making decisions and having discomfort about it. Um, I, so I'm not going to go down. Uh, there, are, there are stories I can tell about that, but what that experience led me to at the same time, because he also acknowledged that I was, to, to him, my boss, had said that I was the most um, effective startup artist, he called me, that he'd ever seen. Um, and what that did lead me to is wanting to distinguish how women think differently and contribute differently to the workplace and build the value of women from there. And uh, I will also say that I, I, part of it is changing my language from talking about men and women to talking about, uh, to framing this as relational people and individualistic people, because uh, it isn't ab- it's not absolutely tied to men and women, but there's a lot to learn by learning about the mindset. And where this ties to sexual harassment, um, and sexism, I've had uh, several clients tell me that they're probably, actually two of them actually quoted 80% of their sexual harassment complaints, and that means that what they actually get complaints about, remember all of this, a lot more that they don't get complaints about, but that 80% of their sexual harassment complaints could be prevented by the kind of work that I do by my work specifically. And um, that says a lot about the misunderstandings. Uh, first, the misunderstandings of where people are coming from, both from the standpoint of the woman and the, yeah. and the man. Um, and uh, so, and I'll go, go ahead. I'll go ahead. Yeah, uh, sorry, sorry uh, to cut in, but I just I have a couple of, I have a couple of questions. In your work, how have people reacted to you? Like you do gender studies, right? You talk about gender. You're working with engineers. How have people reacted? Men and women, have they reacted? Well, my classes still. Uh, no, they, they, first of all, the men will often um, say that they came in with some trepidation because they're, they're like brace, bracing for being especially if they're a white man, um, but bracing for being made wrong, just to shortcut it, uh, and being scolded for who they are, you know, and how they act. And so surprised that it is so positive uh, in terms of 
both recognizing um, what can come of of um, their contribution and a woman's contribution. Okay, so uh, so, so, but I have a question because uh, oftentimes yeah. when I I tell people that when I was doing work like with gender, some people would just kind of poo-poo it. Like I remember one time I was working with a, a large police department and there were three women in the class. No, four women in the class. Three of the women were cops, four of the women were cops and one woman worked in administration. And they were being sued actually for, there was some issues of harassment. No, none of the women would say anything, but the one woman who was in the administration was just laughing and making fun of everything because I knew she wanted to be one of the guys. Later on, when I w went into the bathroom, f the four of the women who were police officers came into the bathroom and said, look, what you're saying is absolutely true. We can't say anything about it because we are in danger. These guys have to, we have to watch each other's back and we could be in danger if we really speak out. So, uh, Patricia, have, did you have any of that happen where you saw sexism, or Benita, we saw sexism, and you saw women who were just going along with the program and denying that it even existed? Well, I will say that I certainly ran into sexism. Um, and uh, I know that there were women that were protective of themselves. And I certainly know that I was brought in because I was brought in in several very um, polarized environments. But because there was such a positive response and an opportunity for people to, um, to actually come together, um, I, didn't, I didn't really have to confront uh, that they couldn't speak out. It was... Okay. You know, they they couldn't they really couldn't speak out. But given given the workshop environment, uh, we were able to open things up, okay, and uh, have constru constructive you know prevention done. Okay, thank you. I, mean, I, what, I, what, I will. I, I have one great example that I think is really important. Okay, Emma, uh, and that is I was doing a project with a major corporation because they had wanted to understand why the women had different perceptions about opportunity in their company based on the employee uh, survey. And uh, I was doing interviewing with the women, and most of them said, you know, really this is a great company to work for. I don't want to be seen as a complainer. And th these are some of the things that are happening to me. And in that environment, I did find a woman that had, was absolutely in uh, being pursued in a quid pro quo, meaning, you know, you get your job if, if you have sex with me, with one yeah. of the senior executives. And um, I just uncovered it. No one told me about it, but they did know about it. Eventually, he was let go. But what was interesting to me is my first response when I heard it. When I heard about this, my first response, and sometimes I'm surprised by my own first response, my first response was, was there some power play that went on in this organization at the top that this guy has to express his power over this woman? And lo and behold, when I, when I asked, I found out that the CEO, who was a great CEO, had a great reputation in Silicon Valley, 
he had brought in his successor without including any of the men who ah. were in the vice president position, you know, looking to be able to be the successor. And I thought that was very interesting that that power dynamic was going on amongst the men that, at least in my mind, without being able to scientifically connect it, it seemed absolutely connected to this fellow who needed to express his power over someone else. I thought that was very interesting. Well, uh, I, lo- and, uh, I, 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 no. love, I love hearing these stories. And we, ha- it's time- we have to stop for a minute and take a commercial break. Sima Lieberman, The Inclusionist, with Patricia Caceres and with Benita Banducci, we're talking about race, sexism, sexual harassment, and we'll be back after the commercial break. The Commonwealth Club of California is the nation's leading public forum engaged with the most important issues of the day. More than 450 times each year, we feature programs on politics, LGBT issues, literature, science, entertainment, and more. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and Google Play. Watch our videos on YouTube and Facebook. And when you're in the Bay Area, join us in person for our daily programs. Learn more about the club at commonwealthclub.org. Babe, I think we're ready. We're really doing this. Yeah, I'm ready for our family. So where do we start? (laughs) Starting a family is a team effort, and when life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side as a unified team of the best fertility specialists guided by the highest ethical standards Pacific Fertility Center provides patients with compassionate fertility care. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. Thanks for listening to the Progressive Voices Network, streaming the best in progressive talk 24-7. Keep the progressive conversation going on by joining our community. Each week, we send out an email that covers important things taking place in the Progressive Voices Network and throughout the progressive world. Be the first to know of upcoming shows, schedule changes, exclusive programming, and more. Simply go to ProgressiveVoices.com and sign up for our mailing list. It's that easy. ProgressiveVoices.com. Thanks for listening, and thanks for joining the Progressive Voices community. Many nonprofits rely on events to raise money, create space for community gathering, and offer opportunities to network. But how many hours in a day do community leaders have when they're busy changing the world? Imagine your next event, gala, festival, or celebration professionally executed with creative ideas and ideals to match your community service. IDK is the community's trusted event production company. Visit idkevents.com for all your event production needs. And now, back to the Michelle Meow Show. Hi, this is Sima Lieberman, the inclusionist, back on the Michelle Meow Show, talking everyday conversations on race with everyday people. And today we have Patricia Caceres and we have Benita Banducci. We're talking about race, sexual harassment, sexual assault, and... uh, and sexism, everything in between. Uh, and when we when we broke for commercial break, Patricia, you wanted to add something, and then I have a question. Yeah, um, what I wanted to add is that I didn't experience as much harassment as some of my other construction sisters did, and the ones that really took the brunt of that um, uh, of that um, burden were the union women. And I desperately wanted to be in the union, and because of the sexual discrimination and racial discrimination, I was never able to even take the test to get in. But uh, two women in the company that I worked in 
um, the first company I worked in had been in the union, and I heard many stories of harassment as well as assault. You know, they had all kinds of things put into their uh, lunch boxes. They were cornered in hallways, closets, elevators. Uh, men seemed to assume that they could, um, you know, um, say or do anything they wanted to women uh, on the job site because they didn't belong there anyway. And it was like, you know, nobody's going to believe you. Nobody's going to see you. I mean, there's a lot of dangerous situations that we can get into where we're working with, um, you know, in, on the con in the construction environment where we have to be careful of our safety. And, and you also have to watch your back. You know, you can't really uh, become the enemy, you know, of, of the men around you. So I, I'm sure there was a lot of silence and, um, you know, that went along with this treatment. Because of survival. And people will say, I've heard people say, oh, come on, we don't need to talk about this. This isn't happening anymore. This, that was then, this is now. They say that about racism. That was then, this is now. But I think that some of the then is still in the now. What do you think? Well, I'm sure it is. <laughs> I mean, I know it is. I know it is. Um, you know, different parts Absolutely. of the country, we have different different experiences. I, w I worked as an uh, uh, electrical contractor in Hawaii, and that was one of the easier environments. You know, th that's a very inclusive society, you know. And, um, you know, I got high fives from the men. They were they were glad to see me there. They, were, they would tell me, hey, right on, sister. You know, nice to see you doing it for yourself. You know, nice acknowledgement. And... I didn't feel like I had to prove myself every time I got into a new environment, you know. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I am aware of women who um, who don't feel that 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 they can get jobs, you know, um, at the same level that a man can, you know. Um, that do feel like they have to change their name just so they can get into. You know, a job interview, you know, my name is Patricia, and that's what I like to be called. But whenever I filled out an application, I always put Pat, just so I could get in the door, you know. Um, and uh, then once I got there, you know, I might be able to talk my way in, you know, and, you know, to, to, to get to the next step, you know, so... Well, wow, that's really a good example, because that happens even today. They did a... There was some research done where... They sent out the same exact resumes to different companies, and one resume had a male-sounding name, and another resume had a female-sounding name. Same exact resumes. The male-sounding names got more interviews, got more callbacks than the female-sounding names, and which is why now I see in the past however many years, I see parents giving their kids names like, I don't know, Taylor and Madison and... Uh, names that are, I guess you would call gender neutral, so people wouldn't be able to tell. Well, one thing that I wanted to ask about was I was just recently reading, going, getting back to Harvey Weinstein, getting back to, to all of the issues where it leads to sexual assault or sexual harassment, where people are saying, oh, well, some people are saying, well, it's just white women, so that's why people are listening, and then I was reading somebody else said, the, uh, a woman of color said, white women, step aside, 
let women of color now speak out on sexual harassment and sexual assault because we've been victims. And, and while that's true, that women of color are more often victims and uh, have are, are more often victims and are more often penalized even just for speaking out. But what do you think about that statement? Is it either or, or is the way of putting it together so everybody benefits from from this awareness? What do you think, Benito or Patricia? Well, I I am for all women speaking up, absolutely. And in fact, um, you know, it's when I saw Hidden Figures, I immediately started tearing up. Um, now, you, you may wonder, what does that intellectually have to do with it? But it makes a difference that, you know, I would respond immediately to that. It also, I mean, I'm speaking for myself, I guess, but, you know, when I saw that um, African-American women, black women were involved in the Women's March, it was like a godsend for me. Thank God we can finally be together uh, together, but also speaking about all these different issues. So I am absolutely for all of us speaking out. Um, if And I think that it lends strength to the conversation to have all of us. But I could, I'm also open to hear, hear a different point of view on that, if there is a different point of view. Um, so, Patricia, what, 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 how do you feel about it? What do you see? <laughs> um. You know, yeah, I th- I feel like we all need to speak out, um, but I do think that a lot of times, if you know, say, black women are or women of color are the first to speak out, somehow it's seen as a problem that can be capsulized as a problem within the uh, non-white community. Now, if we are joined with our white sisters, now all of a sudden it's women's issue. Um, if white women are speaking out, they are heard, I think, um, more often. Um, a lot of times they're seen by white men as people that they want to protect. You know, this is my, they can relate. This is my, this could be my sister or my mother or my wife. Um, and black women are, are, are women of color are, are more or less seen as, you know, there's something going on with us anyway this, that, that, that makes us different. So, you know, we're always complaining about something, and a lot of times things that we say are minimized, you know, minimalized. Uh, so, um, but absolutely, I, I, I like the way um, this movement um, is shaping up because it seems like a lot of women of color as well as white women are coming out together and jointly complaining. Seems like Weinstein had a preference. But then again, recently women of color have come out and spoken up. And yeah, so I think it, I think it's important that we support each other. Well, what needs to happen so that it's sustained? Because something that I've noticed, and I mean, if you disagree with me, go ahead and disagree, but this is just from my own observation, that oftentimes you will have women coming together and then in an organization, in a situation around inclusion, and then white women are like the first, not, I'm, I'm not saying all the time, I'm saying what I've seen. When white women are the first women to get in, then the conversation stops and they say, see, we've got like five women. Yeah, you got five white women, 
But then what happens to the women of color? Sometimes they will get left out. So there was a we, but then it becomes a me, and there's no we. So I would like to get your responses to, to what I just said. Agree, disagree? What do you think we need to do? Um, I agree that often it does start out, you know, as white women. And then, and I forget, and, and even, you know, occasionally they don't even notice that they're the only ones and they forget, you know, to include their friends and associates who are non-white. Um, as, as, as a woman of color, every room I, room I walk into, a group I get, I'm a part of, I count, you know, am I the only one? Is somebody else here supporting me? Am I, am I gonna hold it? Am I gonna hold my own for the entire race? You know, what's going on here? That's sort of my first thought. Right after I'm a woman and I'm here, my, my very next thought is, and is there anybody else here who is of color? Um, so um, it's just kind of the way, you know, we're built. If you're raised in this country, you know, this is kind of just how you operate, you know, every day. But I think that more and more there are uh, white allies who do um, have it in the forefront of their minds to make sure that everyone's included. What do you think, Benita? Well, I think that we all need to make conscious invitations. And I've been an advocate for this for a long time, but I still catch myself um, uh, of places where I could do more. But I think we need to invite each other. Like, I, one of the things I noticed, again, I noticed in my own response um, to discovering the, the African-American women, the black women, leading uh, the women's march, meaning being a part of the leadership, the women's march. I said to myself, oh, no, I can, I can march for Black Lives Matter, too. And then I realized, said to myself, well, why haven't I been felt like I could march for Black Lives Matter before? And because I haven't really, I feel it, it's not, it's, I'm not supposed to be there, or, I, you know, that I haven't been invited, or that that would be weird. And uh, if someone had invited me to come march, would I have marched? Yes, I would have. But somehow I didn't feel it was my place to. And um, so those are the kinds of things I'm noticing in myself. And I, I think it makes a difference. And actually, I, I say this even in the gender work, you know, that I tell women, don't just send out a notice about your women's meeting, your women's uh you know, leadership group meeting to, to everyone to invite them, make personal invitations. And, um, you know, I was, uh, so I can go on. Okay, I, yeah, I, we got a break. I, yeah. Well, I, I, think that, I think that that's a good point because we want to talk about how, to, how do we include people intentionally. And yeah. now we're going to take a commercial break. Sima Lieberman, the inclusionist, back after the commercial break with Patricia Caceres and Benita Banducci. We're going to continue the conversation. We're going to talk about white women, women of color, how to work together, and how to sustain it. 
The Commonwealth Club is a unique organization that brings together people from a variety of backgrounds to explore important issues as a community. Sooner or later, everyone worth hearing comes to our stage. From Marga Gomez to Richard Chamberlain, from James Hormel to Kate Kendall, leading thinkers, activists, politicians, and artists have come to the Commonwealth Club of California. Ted Olson and David Boys came here to discuss their winning legal strategy for same-sex marriage. Jason Collins talked about gay athletes. The Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence discussed activism and good works. Actor and director Rob Reiner explained how he got Hollywood behind same-sex marriage. Barney Frank described what it's like to be gay at the highest levels of Washington. From healthcare reform to transgender rights, from immigration to gay-owned businesses, it's all at the Commonwealth Club. And that's still just a portion of the 450 programs we present every single year, with new programming nearly every single day. Be a part of the conversation. Learn more at commonwealthclub.org, download our free app in iTunes, and join us in person the next time you're in San Francisco. The Commonwealth Club of California puts you face-to-face -face with today's thought leaders. This is a true story about two best friends who fell in love and moved across the country to the city by the bay. After many years of dating, Jen and Jacqueline are now planning their dream wedding. It's a big moment in everyone's life when you say I do, especially when you can make choices for your authentic life and your loved ones too. Congratulations, Jen and Jacqueline. Live your authentic life. A special message brought to you by Weatherford BMW. And now, back to the Michelle Meow Show. Hi, this is Sima Lieberman, the inclusionist, back after commercial break with Patricia Caceres and Benita Banducci. And today we're talking about sexism, sexual assault, racism, and harassment. My next question is, are we in danger of diluting this seriousness? Because is every sexual, uh, if, if somebody approaches you sexually, is every sexual invitation harassment? What do you think? I don't think every sexual invitation is harassment. Um, I think if it comes out of nowhere, like there hasn't been any indication whatsoever of, of interest, then, then that's on the way, for sure, depending on how strong it comes out. I think if it persists after you indicate that you're not interested or you say no, it's definitely harassment. Um, I mean, there's other forms. I mean, you know, there's a... If, you're, if it's somebody sees themselves as teasing somebody or, you know, making a joke or things like that, that's unwarranted. I think that, you know, we're now moving into the harassment area, you know, and I, I think there are degrees. Um, I mean, harassment is harassment, but some of it you can nip in the bud and just let the person know that's not funny, don't say that in front of me, and if it ends, fine, and if it keeps going, now we're into some real dangerous territory. What do you think, Benita? No, I don't think every sexual advancement uh, advance is uh, is sexual harassment. 
there's some that may be honest interest in personal relationships. Um, but this, it can be uh, inappropriately said, et cetera. Um, and I think that I know that I work with women to make, and I let men know that that's because men may need this as well. Um, I always encourage them to have a comeback ready for something that's inappropriate. And it, it is important for uh, both men and women to be able to say no. Uh, one of the things I point out, even in understanding gender differences, is often more relational people will uh, be indirect in saying no rather than being direct. And being able to point that out is very important so that, that there is a, no, a definite no response rather than something that, well, I don't want to upset him. Um, and one of the comebacks, comebacks I use, I, I suggest, I, let's use the, the name George, but to be able to say, George, I appreciate what you've done for my career. Now I'm going to do something for yours. This is not appropriate. <laughs> and, and, uh, and you can count on me to let you know when something is inappropriate, and you can even use me as a resource when you want to talk something out. Um, but that's, you know, the kind of thing, uh, because so many, what I call relational people want to maintain a relationship, not destroy it. Um, and that gets to one of your famous slogans, Sima, um, that, uh, to educate, to turn something into a teachable moment as much as possible. It's not always easy. And sometimes it really is a genuine, uh, you know, harassment, but, uh, I think that we can do a lot more to um, educate in the process of life itself than we have been doing and taking responsibility for that. Yeah, because I think, you know, ed ed education really is important, and I really like your comeback. I was doing some work with uh, people who were electrical installers, and I asked, it was, I was doing a workshop, I think it was like on stress management or something like that, and I said, well, what makes you feel good? What do you laugh about? And some guy says, I said, what are your t favorite TV shows or movies? Some guy in the back says, Debbie Does Dallas. So I looked at him and I said, Debbie Does Dallas? Who said that? He raises his hand and he said, I did. I've seen it a hundred times. I said, yeah. And I bet every time you watch it, you learn something new. So everybody just started cracking up and the guy stopped and he became my best friend. So somebody else, though, might have thought that that was harassment, somebody making a statement like that. What do you think? Is that, would that be something that you would report? Well, I would never report something that's just, you know, I mean, I, I will never, I'm not going to say never, never. But I, you know, something that could be turned around to educate, um, you know, it, harassment to me has to be, you know, ongoing. Um, it could be well, so, again, it depends on the circumstances, okay. but I certainly wouldn't report someone just for making an off statement. What do you um, think, Patricia? Yeah. Um, well, I wouldn't report it either. I agree with that. And, but I also learned a number of comebacks over yeah. my uh, um, career because I had to work with these men every day. And um, it, it was really important how I handle situations because um, 
especially men in construction are, are very susceptible um, to being teased by other men. So I felt like I had to really be careful how I talked to them and preserve, preserve a respectful environment. Uh, I'm from New York, and so... You know, I come armed with a whole lot of sarcasm and negative retorts that, that I can whip out at a moment's notice. But over time, I learned how to make my point and at the same time let them know that I got more. And if you keep taking me down this path, I'm going to embarrass you. Yeah. And pretty soon your name is going to be... I who have been embarrassed by Patricia on the job <laughs> site, you know, something like that, you know. Um, and they had all these little, you know, f sayings that they would use that, that had to do with women, you know, like if a machine didn't work, they would say things like, ah, it's tits hit the dirt. <laughs> or it went tits up, you know. And it was like, what is that? You know, why, why, why all of a sudden now this is the first time a, a reference to a woman has been made and it has to do with a machine that doesn't work. And um, so I don't know how the censors are going to feel about this, but I had a comeback that I used to use, and when they would say it went tits up, I would say, well, I always say it's dick hit the dirt, <laughs> and that means the machine doesn't work. And that kind of stopped everything. It was such a shocking reference. It, it matched them in terms of, you know, poor language, let's put it that way. And, and it stopped everything, and they realized that if you keep going with this, I'm going to match you. Um, and then I have some other gentler responses that I would use just to kind of edge them along and let them know I'm not going to take your stuff. I think it's great. Yeah, I, th <laughs> I, think, I think that that's great, too, because I think as women, we do, there's certain, not, I'm saying we, I mean, there's some women that really need to be, because of how society is, it's not changing tomorrow, People, women do need to learn how to say things like uh, somebody says something say, to just say, why are you saying it that way? Why are you using that word? Get the other person to get, you have to win the war of words, get the other person to be on the defensive. And sometimes when you just say, well, why are you saying it that way? It makes people think about what they're saying. Because sexual harassment and sexual assault is really, really serious. And I don't want it to be trivialized. I don't want to see somebody walking down the street and somebody hear, and they hear somebody say, hey, baby. That's not the same as being attacked by a Harvey Weinstein, a Bill Cosby, or any of these other guys that are doing that. And I also think that we do need to work on this together. And that people have different ways of reacting based on how they were raised, what their culture is, their age. And we need everybody together. So I want to bring the conversation back a little bit more to the issue of women and women of color and white women. What needs to happen to be able to bring women together? What kind of conversations needs, need to happen? Do they need to happen? I think absolutely they need to happen. Now, and uh, for instance, I have just recently uh, invited a highly accomplished black woman, and she wants to prefers to be called black, um, to co 
lead uh, new course I'm going to be giving uh, for undergraduate at Santa Clara University. And, uh, you know, it's, we've been all so busy, we haven't really had a chance to sit down because we need, we need to just talk stuff out ourselves. But, you know, I've been opening doors. In fact, I got a message that there were tenure-track positions open, so I sent it to her immediately. I introduced her to the head of the business, not the head, but one of the um, staff at the business school who's also a professor and to advocate for her, who's enthusiastic. You know, I'm taking those steps, but the joke is that we haven't had a chance to really talk about our own stuff together because we've been focused on our work. But absolutely, it's important, because I know that I can be making mistakes with her. And um, we do have an agreement that we'll let each other know. She knows. I've, I've told her, look, if I make a mistake, let me know. Um, but to be, for instance, even having the conversation about why she wants to be called black and not African-American, that was important. Okay, could I, I, could yeah, I, I just, could I just push back though on something? Yeah, uh, sure. I heard you say that she was a very accomplished black woman, and I mean, it's just something you think about. I, because I assume that whoever you bring in is going to be highly accomplished, and I think that sometimes we have a problem. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying you, but I'm just saying, in particular, when people are talking about somebody from another group, and they have to do a caveat of the highly accomplished when, I know they're highly accomplished, that, you know, why was that, why was that important? Patricia, what do you think about yeah. how we could work together? Go, say. Well, uh, I think it's important that, that, that we work together just by deciding to work together, by deciding to have these conversations, by asking questions like, why do you prefer to be called black as opposed to African-American as opposed to, you know, anything else, you know? Um, and a lot of times I think that um, we're afraid, you know, there is some sort of a barrier. People feel like they're out of place or they might be showing the ignorance or it might be personal. They just don't know when to step in when talking with people of color about who they are and why they are that way. I mean, obviously we're all different, you know. Some people prefer African American, some people prefer black, you know. Um, when you have a mixed race uh, heritage like I do, I was raised in uh, black and Spanish Harlem, and so my culture is, you know, Puerto Rican and black, you know. Here in California, that doesn't come into play that much, you know. Although, you know, I, I, I recognize those references, you know, to Spanish music, food, and language. And it has something to do with how I talk about myself. You know, I do, I, 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 when I think about myself, I think about myself as mixed race. Now, that's confusing to the world. My generation finds it confusing to the world. The younger generation doesn't mind calling themselves mixed race. My daughter calls herself mixed race because it's acceptable. She's, she's been raised that way, um, or she raised herself that way, let's put it like that. And so a lot of times it is a personal thing, but it is a very good opportunity for a conversation, you know. And, um, and you could be met with anger and resentment. You know, all of us don't really understand how to respond to those queries. And a lot of times because we've been asked those questions for the wrong reasons, 
we can become defensive. And so it's really good if there is some measure of trust built up in advance so that when we have these communications, we trust the communication and understand that we can answer honestly and that we can be vulnerable. Yeah, and how do we build up that trust? Like Benita, you're, you've been in you've been in part of a women's group, haven't you, for a long time, which is a multicultural women's group. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. But for and for a lo- in the early '90s when we started, um, I it was very uncomfortable for me because I was I was made clear that t- talking about gender was stealing the spotlight away from racism, and I just had to stay with it because I wanted to stay with it, and uh, it was hard. Um, but uh, I also want to get back to tell you that, that I was, with regards to my colleague, I was standing with her when I was introducing her to someone. I introduced her to a number of people. Where the moment I mentioned that she had uh, not, not only uh, was a, um, a degree in civil engineering, but an MBA and a PhD in business administration, I could see them straighten up. Yeah. Like, you know, and I I caught her eye in that moment because I got, you know, just what you were, you know, catching in me. I hoped that I had said that she was highly accomplished and a black woman. But I get what you, you know, that, that you can be heard as I'm I'm qualifying her as being a highly accomplished black woman. But nonetheless, I could see I in the moment I could see that she got that experience of whoa, they, didn't, they were not judging her to be able to have all those credentials. Yeah. And uh, so I, I do want to say that that's part of what I get to learn by being her colleague and, um, and why I think that we, you know, it's very rich to be able to have those conversations and very important, lots to learn. And, um, and, and I like that you talked about when you first got in the group that you're in that it was uncomfortable for you because I think that oftentimes, and of course I want to hear what, what both of you have to say, that when people, sometimes in women's groups, that oftentimes I have seen women, particularly white women, not only white women, but, but more, not really participate because they're afraid of saying the wrong thing, so they end up doing nothing. What, what do you think? Both of you have had ex- a lot of multicultural experiences. What do you see? Patricia, you go first. <laughs> well, um, sure, I'll go first. I, 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 I don't know what's in their minds. I can only guess. I can only guess what's in their minds, um, but um, I'm sure it happens. You know, and like I said earlier, I think people aren't sure what 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 is the correct thing to say. What would be non-offensive? What you know, and they and they look for people of color to take the lead in the conversation, to suggest words and attitudes, and give them permission um, to continue. What were you going to say? Like I did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and you know, the reality yeah. is, people are going to say, no matter who you are, unless you live your life in your own bathroom and you don't leave the house, you're going to be around people who are going to be different. I mean, in many cases. And you're going to say something that's going to be like the wrong thing. But should that stop you? 
I could see where it would stop people. Uh, you know, I, and I'm only guessing because I'm I'm never in that situation. You know, I'm never. I, you know, I'm 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 always the person of color in the room. So, um, but um, I would encourage um, white women, white people, to find the words to educate themselves because it's so important uh, when we know we have an advocate in the room when we speak out and that we and that our voice is seconded by a white person, a white woman, um, and thirded by a white woman. I mean, all of that encouragement, you know, is really important that we, we understand that we're being heard, understood, and supported. And, um, and people can't afford to be silent, you know, uh, very long. I agree that, that there's a tendency to, to be concerned about not saying the right thing. Uh, absolutely, and that people hold back. I could say that for myself sometimes. Um, but I also want to point on spotlight that that's often men's situation as well in terms of supporting women, that um, often men will, you know, open mouth, insert foot uh, when they're not trying, when they're trying not to. Um, you know, recently uh, one company was making a commitment publicly making a commitment to having more women in their organization. And one of the executives responded, oh, that means we're going to have to do more talking. And he really got in trouble for that, uh, rather than, than being able to understand that, you know, the, the dynamics behind that. Yeah. And, you know, I, I could go into a lesson about how women like to share more information and connect the dots and do fire prevention and foresight with all that information. And that's, that would be important for the men to understand, to value her participation. But, you know, that's, that's, that's the kind of work I like to do. But nonetheless, this guy got in trouble uh, for what he said. And um, those are the kinds of things, again, that we need to not, we need to find ways to turn them into teachable moments rather than punishing people. And I, to- I totally agree with you on that because I saw that too. And I went, he said, so that means we're going to be doing a lot more talking. I'm thinking, so? They could have responded by saying, yeah, that's one of the reasons why we want to have more women so we could do more engagement together. Good, good. And, you know, and that concerns me yeah. because yeah. there are things that I might say, I, I mean, I don't really, at this point in my life, I don't really care what anybody says. You know, if you have something to teach me, teach me. I want to learn. But at the same time, if somebody makes a comment that maybe somebody else doesn't like, there's nothing wrong with saying, then it means that we have to do more talking. You know, like, come on now. Let's deal with the seriousness of it instead of looking for, because when we look for all these type of things, like women do more talking type of comments, then we miss the Harvey Weinsteins. Then we miss the people who who insists that you got to sleep with me to have your job because it's right, easier to pick on yeah. those little things. And I think I'm yeah. getting, uh, I, I'm seeing a, uh, some, our, our producer is making some motions. So I would like to wind this up. This has been such a great discussion. I've loved having both of you on the show. Uh, I'd like to ask if you have any last minute comments to wind it up. So, Benita, let's start with you. Got a last-minute comment for us. Well, the last-minute comment I want to make is that we really we didn't talk much about 
discrimination of how women do make their contribution like that the talking and mm. so that's a whole other area to get get into and uh, again that's often lost in thinking of it as being harassment or discrimination when it's really about bias um, and uh, not understanding the different not understanding the differences. So I'll just, I'll leave it with that. Like, I'd like to get into that more in another conversation. 